Welcome to another episode on the Home Tech Talk podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Aiden. Before we get started on this week's episode, if you are liking our content and would like to contribute to our cause, we have a PayPal link below in our notes. So please feel free to check it out. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date. In today's episode, we were lucky enough to catch up with Australia's most awarded home cinema designer and builder, who has currently in the process of launching their very own speaker brand into the Australian market. And this week we'll be kicking off our Australian product series and learning more about an Australian-owned and made speaker brand, Elementi Audio, with David Mosley, who is the owner and head designer. He also operates and owns Wave Train Cinemas. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Hello, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in. Do you want to give us a bit of a quick background on how you ended up, where you ended up being the cinema builder, the now speaker manufacturer? Uh, that's a pretty long story. So. A long story. Yeah, we'll probably we'll, we'll go the short version. We'll the short, yeah. we, we've had a few long versions in the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Wave Train Cinemas have been operating for a, a lot of years, as you as you know, so uh, I'd have to think exactly how long, probably about 18 years, I'd guess. Uh, we, uh, I also am involved in distribution, so we represented a whole lot of brands on the distribution side. Uh, and uh, when uh, we, we just had a bit of a, a shake-up with regards to uh, brands, uh, I, uh, um, I had been playing around with sort of cinema desi- speaker designs for uh, quite a while. Yeah. Uh, in the background and uh, and slowly sort of uh, developing some models that um, you know I thought might be good and I didn't have really any intention for those models um, but uh, over time once things started to happen with manufacturers I started to realize that I probably needed to invest uh, in myself yeah. um, and invest in, in what I was doing uh, so that I had options and uh, Primarily, I developed Elementi for Wavetrain Cinemas, and yeah. uh, uh, that was my intent for the brand. And so, Wavetrain Cinemas has been using Elementi for about two years now. Um, and uh, then uh, uh, something happened on the distribution side, which basically forced me to uh, to sort of uh, make a decision as to whether or not I invested in another brand or I backed myself um, to release Elementi uh, as a commercial product. Yeah, uh, and uh, and and do everything that was required to sort of um, expand, bring and, it to market, and bring it to market, which uh, which is a big step. Um, uh, having something that you're utilizing yourself um, is is one thing, but um, to uh, to bring it to market, uh, to put it into the public domain, uh, to have people judge <coughs> you on those things, that's confronting. Yeah, and you've, yeah. and you've got to get all the details right yeah. for uh, for that to be able to work. Yep. Well, the feedback's been very positive so far. Yeah, thank you. Um, even for, I mean, I, I've described it as being the best cinema I've ever heard, um, and I've heard probably at, at least five of your rooms. Yeah. And since the Elementi went in there, I, I honestly believe it was the best cinema I've ever heard. So. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> it's yeah. certainly a feedback we're getting a lot, um, yeah. uh, and that's sort of what I would expect. Um, but it's not because um, – uh, I'm a brilliant speaker designer and I'm doing something um, completely different to everybody else in terms of in terms of uh, technology um, but the application of how I'm actually doing things and and the inputs of what it is that I'm using uh, are leading to the results that I'm getting so 
the results are not surprising just simply because of what I'm putting into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah. What is the key? What's the magic? Uh, everything's like Element is incredibly unique. As much as uh, speakers are speakers, yeah. You know, and and there's only so many speaker driver manufacturers in the world. So, uh, so you, you know, as a speaker designer, you need to select the drivers and the and the direction that you want to go in to achieve or what you want to achieve. Um, I would say what is different about us is that. Um, I'm approaching uh, what I'm after as an outcome completely differently. Uh, speaker designers generally are designing a speaker sort of independent of uh, the application that it's that it's going into. Um, they have no control over the application. Um, so generally speaking, they're saying, "Does that speaker sound good standing in front of me yeah. in, a, in a black hole, in isolation, as it were, in isolation?" and and they're looking at it going, what do I have control over? Uh, and, and the answer would be, I have control over nothing. So, um, so whereas I'm looking at the end result in terms of the project and how it gets implemented into the project uh, and how the room gets designed acoustically, um, because that's my background, uh, where once again, most speaker manufacturers wouldn't be considering acoustics or what the room is like or... Um, so there's certain fundamental problems with regards to doing cinemas, and uh, one is that um, the speaker needs to be able to play loud enough. Yeah. Um, and I would say probably 90, 95% of the product on the market actually isn't suitable just from that one primary specification of yeah. being able to actually hit industry standards at the seating distances that they're sitting at. Yeah. Um, uh, once you've sort of um, dealt with that, side of things, then it comes down to getting a pure signal to the speaker. Uh, if you've got an amplifier located um, in terms of speaker cable run 20 metres away from the speaker, the chances of you getting really good audio in that speaker is very, very slim. Uh, and in fact, if you were doing a stereo system, which is the way I would sort of tend to bring all of the audio conversation back to, so people, anybody setting up a stereo system is going to be very finicky about little details. Yeah. And one of those little details is keeping speaker cables as short as possible. Yeah. So, so having the amplifiers located very close to the speaker is always going to give a much better result. Uh, and then you've got options for running um, the signal to the amplifier uh, via balance cable or, or or digital over something like Dante. Yeah. Uh, and so, so Elementi, uh, I've designed the amplifiers to sit very close to where the speakers are in the room. Um, so then you could sort of look at it and say, okay, well, there are active speakers in the market, um, brands like Meridian, um, Genelec, uh, uh, there's a whole range of different products yeah. out there that have the amplifiers in the speaker. Um, but then, uh, like we're sitting in a cinema room at the moment and you've got an acoustically transparent screen at the front of the room. Uh, and if I had an active speaker in there, um, then I would have to take the screen out to actually get to the speaker to actually service it, um, which may or may not be an easy thing, particularly if it's a masking screen. Yeah, um, it could be a half day job just taking the screen down and putting it back again. Um, so, so it doesn't make it very serviceable um, uh, to have the amplifiers in the speaker itself. Um, uh, it's better to have the amplifiers located in somewhere that you can access it. So, so that's where I decided to make the amplifiers a vertical 
arrangement that could actually be installed onto the walls um, in in behind access panels and whatnot that we could sort of get to. Um, and uh, by trying to put those as close to where the speakers are, um, still getting a clean signal, but making it a serviceable room. Uh, the other side of it is by removing the amplifiers out of the rack, you're removing most of the heat. Um, and that may, I mean, if you've got a digital amplifier in a rack, they may not be generating that much heat in and of themselves. It depends on the design, but uh, there are typically other things in the rack which will cause problems. So uh, it was quite common for, or it's quite common for people to sort of think, oh, I'll put the power amplifiers at the bottom of the rack. Um, I'll put the preamp above that and I'll put the sources above that. Um, but there's certain preamps in the market that actually generate a huge amount of heat um, and heat won't rise naturally if there's something hot at the top of that pile. So so uh, with one of the brands we were distributing, we saw a huge amount of failures um, uh, in the power supply of the digital amplifiers um, for that reason that they were just overheating. Um, so, uh, so removing that heat potential out of the rack and removing those elements out of the rack, you've actually got a much simpler rack to deal with, a lot less heat, um, a lot easier to ventilate. Um, so, as I said, so Elementi in terms of its fundamental sort of principles in terms of how I started to go about what it should be was derived from um, what makes a good project um, and, and how do you address those issues. Um, and so that's and that's probably the, the biggest distinguishing factor um, between how I've gone about things. Um, apart from that, it's really the technology that we've put into it. So, uh, so I've definitely sought out um, the best transducers I could get, um, the best drivers, um, and uh, I've certainly, uh, from a um, technology point of view looked at the best of what's available in the market um, and whether or not I've just selected things at the right time or not. Um, I know that all of my competitors uh, are not using similar technology. Um, so they've, they're using technology that they've used for a while and haven't seemed to evolved. Um, so, so certainly I'm at the cutting edge in terms of what's available technology-wise in terms of the amplifiers that I'm using. Yeah, I noticed like when you talk about the, the the SPL level, like the smallest speaker in the range, which is I think the Firefly, that I'm yeah. looking at there, 122 dB continuous. That yep. is insane amount of SPL from your smallest speaker. Yeah, but even that speaker is still only capable of, of playing the reference level at about six meters. Yeah. Um, now, uh, most cinema rooms that, that we design at Wavetrain, um, that would be – um, pretty much every cinema that we do is has a, that requirement as a minimum. Yep. So uh, now the thing too with what we've actually stipulated there with regard to sound pressure level is um, uh, we've actually got headroom on top of those ratings. So we're always allowing a 3 dB of headroom on top of our ratings um, so the amplifier's never actually been pushed when it's actually achieving those sound pressure levels. Um now, this is something that would, you would get in a commercial cinema application. So if you had a Dolby certified cinema, um, they would actually stipulate that you had 3 dB of headroom. Now, 3 dB of headroom is actually double the power. So so of our amplifier power, half of that is actually... Spare. Spare. Um, so, yeah. So, and, and yeah, to, so to get those sound pressure levels, you need to select uh, initially the right transducers. 
Um, and, and in terms of we've got very distinct lines, of which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, so, and, and each um, series of drivers has been selected as that as a primary um, goal. Yeah. yeah. So talking a bit more about Elementi as a whole, I mean, I think the name's awesome, so good job on that. But um, what was the inspiration, if any, in terms of the product lines? I know they're all very elements. Was that as simple as that? Or? Yes and no. I mean, it. Uh, I certainly the, the first speakers to come into uh, existence were the Air series, and that's, that's actually um, uh, what, I, what I was focused on. Uh, from the earliest time, uh, I just uh, uh, the transducer that we're using for the the tweeter um, uh, is just very different. Um, it's it's almost the perfect um, driver. Uh, it's its frequency response is incredibly flat. It goes uh, uh, above twenty thousand hertz. Uh, its phase response is is near perfect. Um, yeah, it's just a, a if you're going to select it purely from an engineering point of view, you would select that driver. Yeah. More often than not, um, so uh, so that's where I'd spent a lot of my time. Uh, the compression driver series I developed um, uh, more for the fact that I was actually releasing that then into um, into the wider market, um, and uh, most of the market is compression drivers. Um, so, um, and part of the reason for that is because uh, if you want to do high sound pressure level. And you want to do it inexpensively. Um, uh, the best way to do that is a compression driver. Yeah. Um, so they're very widely used, and they're widely used in cinemas. So, um, so I would describe it that most people would say that they're a cinematic sound mm-hmm. because it's what they're used to listening to, and and it does have a particular signature to the sound. Um, so, so then, so I developed the Fire series relating to sort of that. And if you think about it, um, a compression driver. System, it's really firing the sound at you, um, and it's uh, it's it's really dynamic and 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 it has a visceral sort of effect to it. So that you have a, a real emotional sort of response to it. So hence the, the 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 word fire actually sort of actually sort of is part of what the sound actually or what you're experiencing with the sound. Yeah, it kind of translates. Yeah, uh, and then the air series, um, the air speakers are not firing the sound at you at all. They're resonating the sound in front of you, and the and it's almost as like the sound stage is floating in front of you. So uh, you tend to relax once again. You have a you have sort of the reverse physical um, uh, uh, sort of reaction to the sound um, in that you just relax into the sound, and like oh wow, this is really nice. Yeah. Um, so so you know so the air sort of fit with that. Um, uh, earth subwoofers sitting on the floor, deep bass yeah it just sort of and then water surrounding you um uh you know that's sort really of really ties in i guess sort it's of all tied together yeah. so when i went i mean i i i went through a whole iteration of how it was of, of different names and some weird and wacky ones that um <laughs> didn't make the cut <laughs> didn't make the cut yeah i won't go into some of the names there were a couple there that were like oh i really want to go that direction yeah and uh but it was just elementary just fit everything just perfectly and yeah, I guess it encumbers everything really in, in what you're trying to achieve with the brand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I think really good job on, on the brand as a whole. And Thanks. obviously you launched it during the pandemic, so I'm sure that came with some challenges. Yeah, uh, massive challenges. Yeah. So uh, primarily just uh, we, uh, 
I wanted the company to operate a certain way. So in, from a manufacturing point of view, in terms of um, when we got an order, um, how that was going to be handled, uh, what the lead times would be. Um, so, uh, and everything, for, everything from, the, uh, from the design up was, was based around how I would manufacture, um, uh, how do I simplify things down, how do I streamline um, that process. Uh, I, just, I, I didn't just design the speakers um, independent of that thought process. Um, I'm uh, a very detailed thinker. So, so, uh, so I, I was thinking of from I was thinking of the end outcome in terms of how we actually manufactured from the very beginning. Yeah, how I sort of simplified things down, but um, we just uh, like in everybody else are struggling to get the parts um, that we need to get, and also uh, everybody's busy. So, so trying to say get um, a, uh, a a joiner to manufacture cabinets for us. Uh, when they've got so much other work uh, and they've not done what we've done we're doing before um, uh, you know even just something as simple as that is a, is a, a difficult process so everything's just taking a lot longer um, uh, we've had to order way way out in advance whereas originally we, th we thought we'd be getting uh, uh, things like amplifiers within a, a very sh short time period uh, we're now ordering nine months out yeah, well, wow. and and sort of uh, making sure that we uh, aren't going to run out of anything, um, uh, so that we can uh, once we've like now we're doing a, a little bit more of a hard launch with sort of you know like this podcast and stereo nets and making a more uh, defined effort to get the product out into the market. Uh, we're going to now need to uh, match expectation and and meet demand, and so and I think we're pretty much set for that now. Going back into your amplifiers, I noticed obviously the implementation of digital inputs such as Dante. Yep. Is that a problem you identified, or is that more of a flexibility uh, option? Uh, no, it's 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 my preference in terms of okay. in terms of where it should go. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter how. I mean, you can pay a fortune for a digital to analog converter, um, uh, but any digital to analog converter is going to actually have an impact on the sound. Yeah. Um, so once again, it just comes back to what's the purest way that I can get a signal to the amplifier and to the speaker, and keeping everything in the digital domain from end to end is 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 going to be the best opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, so then it's only got a DA conversion uh, in the digital amplifier just before it goes out to the speaker. Um, so uh, depends on the on the system as to how something's been wired, but it might be sort of one to three different. DA to AD points, yeah. which you're actually eliminating by doing it that way. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just a case of is that going to give me a potentially better signal? Yes. Um, so should we do it that way? Definitely. Um, doesn't mean that we don't have the option there for balanced audio. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you want to take things to the nth degree, then I'd certainly recommend a, a Dante, um, not an AES input. Um, yeah. Uh, you you can't really run AES to the way to the way we've got our amplifiers set up. AES is sort of more of a short yeah. signal run, um, and you need a preamp um, on the other end of the AES to actually control volume because AES doesn't. If you're going to control volume from AES, you're actually going to drop resolution in the process. Right, it's the only way to adjust volume. Um, so uh, whereas Dante is different, so. Um, Dante is carrying uh, the signal, but it's also carrying information with regards to volume, and that's controlling um, uh, essentially a preamp in the other 
at the other end. Yeah, nice. So your product line that you carry as part of distribution is capable of implementing that technology? Yes. So you can do end-to-end digital? Yes, definitely. So it's, it's just um, <clears throat> keep it simple, stupid. You know, the, the, the way of doing a good stereo system is, is basically what, you know, how can I keep this simple? And from an electronics point of view, it's basically how many DA to AD conversions can I take out and keep this as clean as possible, particularly when everything's being done in the digital domain. So so I've got digital amplifiers with digital processing on board. Um, I want to give them a digital signal. I don't want to come out of an analog output uh, on a preamp and then feed back in. Or there's some systems out there that require a uh, a, a uh, an analog output out of a preamp into a processor that then converts it back to digital, then that converts it back to analog, back out to, you know, so. Yeah, I think it, unless you really think about it, you don't realise how many times that conversion can take place. It can go, you know, when the digital processing happens in the AVR or the surround processor and then is output balanced, then goes into an amplifier with DSP. Yep. You've converted at least two times yes. each way. I mean, so I think the, you said that your airline was predominantly your first product that you conceived. Yep. That's still exclusive to you as Wavetrain, or is that going to come to the broader market? Uh, yeah, no, I'm keeping it as a, a Wavetrain product. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, it's a very unique product in the market. So the, the compression drivers is what everybody's sort of pretty much used to. Yep. Uh, I would tend to say there really isn't anything in the market Um that's sort of like air. The closest, I guess, would be uh, maybe brands like Wisdom, uh, Steinway, yeah. um, uh, maybe Alcons, yeah. um, that sort of thing. So uh, uh, compression drivers is what most people know. Um, they get understand quite easily. There's a lot of products on the market in the cinema, home cinema segment that are sort of targeted that direction. Yeah. They're not. It's not my favourite driver type. But, um, no. Uh, I mean... As I sort of indicated, the uh, um, uh, well, uh, well, I'm interested in the in the end result in terms of the acoustics of the room, not just um, not just the speaker. I, I want to ensure that um, these speakers are going into rooms that are going to give them the best opportunity to be heard the way they should be heard. Um, uh, air is sort of the pinnacle of what I've done, so I certainly um, within Wavetrain, I've got complete control over how they get implemented. Um, but even uh, uh, um, through Cogworks, where Fire is being distributed, um, uh, Cogworks still has a design service to engineer um, the projects. Yeah. Um, uh, or the other side of it would be uh, if there's dealers that have um, good education and, and, and we know are of, of a certain standard, um, then, then basically we will certify those people to say, yep, you can go to them and they'll, they'll take care of you and we know they're going to consider... Uh, the room and the acoustics and, and make sure that this is being implemented correctly. I was originally doing, you know, very low-end, like, like comparatively speaking, very low-end rooms that I didn't realise that you could go to the level of detail and get such drastically better outcomes by understanding the acoustics of a room and yep. knowing how to actually implement systems into a space with the consideration of the acoustic environment. Yep. You know, brands like Art Novian. Um, we did some training with George that so was, you know, so enlightening in terms of, I mean, he, he's in, insanely, you know, advanced in terms of his 
acoustic engineering ability, but you know, just to convey that to people like us who have to actually just put something in a room to make it sound good, um, he's done all the hard work for us. Yes. Well, it's critical uh, from the point of view that uh, we don't want to EQ. The, so, so that um, system that you heard at, at Wavetrain, uh, that wasn't EQ'd above 250 hertz. Right. Um, so what you were hearing was the speaker natural. Uh, and then the fact that I've, I've actually engineered the room to get the result that we wanted to get. Yeah. Um, and when we measured the room response acoustically, uh, the result that we were getting was perfect to what, say, something like Dirac would have actually wanted it to be. Right. Um, so, so that's through the path of engineering. Um, now, the benefit for doing that is that um, we're tuning the speakers uh, in, in one of the top... Um, uh, testing facilities in the world. Um, uh, I, I can I can design and I've got testing f- uh, to a certain point, um, but I, I don't have a, a, a you know a really advanced yeah. testing facility. So so I get it done elsewhere. Um, so these speakers are frequency and phase perfect. They sound amazing. So what I want to hear is that speaker. I want to hear that sound that I've engineered in that environment. Um, I don't want to be trying to tune the speaker with a very basic microphone yeah. on an automated system that's getting all sorts of information being fed to it um, and, and assuming that um, it can take that sound and, and actually make it what I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so uh, so you've, you've got to deal with the reflections in the room uh, and, and you've got to deal with the fact or, or the way that you actually hear the sound as a human, how you interpret that sound within the room. Um, but if you try to EQ based on the reflections and what's going on, um, then particularly with compression drivers, uh, the system can sound incredibly harsh. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'd say an automated uh, EQ system in, on a compression driver system, any compression driver system, is a recipe for disaster um, in the hands of somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. Um because uh, it'll always come up sounding really, really harsh. And, yeah, that's um, been my experience with compression drivers. Yep. Yeah. Even in that same room. Yeah. So, yep. you know, we're talking about having heard that exact room with two different audio systems. I think probably at this point maybe I've heard four audio systems in that room. Yeah. And, like, universes apart. Yes. And you play loud. Yes. Right? Like, proper loud. Yeah. As loud as I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Loud. Yes. Really loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good uh, characteristic of a cinema, I guess, yeah. since that's what you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you should be able to play at reference level for the cinemas, yeah. which is which is um, fairly loud. But um, uh, but there's another level which our clients um, uh, gravitate to a lot, which is basically what I would reference uh, what, as concert playback levels, uh, which is a very, very different um, kettle of fish. So while the average level of a movie might be about 85 dB with peaks of 105, a concert's actually much, much higher average levels. It might be more like 100 dB um, and peaks up to 110. Um, so uh, so if you want a system to be able to play at that sort of level and, and feel like you're really in a concert, um, then the system needs to be able to go there. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, 
Plus, as I say, uh, like the, the speakers that you were listening to, the Fire Dragons, I mean, they're designed to be able to run reference like 25 metres, so right. um, it just got they're just effortless. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that the the thing that stands out to me the most, I think, is like the fatiguing experience of sitting there listening to like a compression driver and feeling, getting the that hitting those reference levels and feeling a little bit like you've been abused. Yep. Whereas with the other with the latest system, it doesn't have that fatigue at all. It doesn't feel like you're being like abused. No, no. Although as I said. Uh, for the people that have actually um, uh, compared the two different rooms, of which I've got um, a number of people that have come through now and, and sort of made those comparisons, and I did do a night for StereoNet um, uh, last year where we, we got, got some people came through and sort of got their feedback, which was good to get their feedback. But everybody was actually torn between the rooms because, um, as I say, the fire is, is uh, just such a dynamic um, in-your-face sort of room, which is what compression drivers are, but I said it ha- you have this real visceral reaction to it. You're sort of like, my God, it's so emotional. Like yeah. you almost come out of it like, oh, my God, I'm yeah. <laughs> stressed out about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's really like, like it's amazing. Yeah. So everyone's like, that room is amazing. It's so emotional and, yeah. and uh, you know, and then, and, then, and then they're like, but the air room is just so, so relaxing. Yeah, it's um, enjoyable, properly enjoyable. Yeah. It's different levels of immersion, I guess, yes. you know, whether you're into the you know, in-your-face type of experience and yeah. it's good that you've got sort of different lines to cater to both, really. Yes. The, the thing with the air is the uh, air models that are in that room are half the price mm. of the fire speakers that they're listening to in the other room. Um, so we actually have um, an equivalent model in the air. Uh, it's just no one's... No one's heard it yet, right? Um, so, uh, so once we roll that out and people start to hear that, that'll that'll change possibly change their mind a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What about subwoofers? That's the biggest. The, that's earth. the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. The thing I mean, shaker. Yeah. Yeah. And and this sort of uh, so there's certain fundamental things, not just with regards to the subwoofers, but also with regards to the speakers themselves in terms of. So you'll notice that a lot of the speakers are neodymium yeah. um, uh, drivers. Um, so uh, from a speaker design point of view, there's certain fundamental things that you want to do if you if you want a speaker to play at high SPL levels. Um, it's not just a case of how loud will it play. So you can look at a speaker and say that's its sensitivity and that's its amplifier input um, and that's how loud it will play. But it's like, yeah, but how loud can it play consistently? Mm. Um so uh, if you've got a ferrite driver or you've got sealed cabinets, um, then a ferrite driver is not going to be anywhere near, near as efficient as a neodymium. Um, a ferrite driver, uh, driver is also going to have a much, much bigger magnet, which is essentially iron. Um, uh, and so it's a, a huge heat sink. Yeah. So, uh, so it's actually going to heat up uh, over time uh, and it's going to be really, really difficult to get rid of that heat because the iron's just not a very good conductor. Um, and if you put that into a sealed cabinet, uh, that cabinet's just going to steadily build up the heat, yeah. uh, and then you what, get what's called power compression. Yeah. Um, so everything electrically, everything starts to change as the heat heats up, um, and and you don't have that same dynamics anymore. Um, so neodymium drivers are, are, are much smaller; they're better conductors, so they're much more efficient. They don't generate as much heat because they're more efficient. 
um, they don't as, have as much um, um, material or density in, into the magnet system, so um, so they don't hold as much heat. Um, and if you then mix it up with a ported speaker design, what you're actually doing with the ported design is actually um, changing the air over constantly. So the air temperature in the cabinet is pretty much the air temperature in the room. Um, and so you're actually um, sucking the air, sucking the temperature out of there into neodymium magnets consistently. So the combination of, of a neodymium mag magnet in a in, in a, a ported design um, just means you're going to be able to deliver that power for um, you know, basically continuously. It's pretty much never going to change, mm. um, and that's why those designs are used um, commercially. So if you go to really um, high grade concerts, if you go to the best cinemas. Um, these are the driver systems. These are the designs that they're utilising in those environments. Um, so we're no different in that sort of regard. Um, the only difference might be that uh, um, our port designs are, are, are huge. Um, uh, so um, we're trying to keep the velocity of the air down uh, as low as possible right. um, uh, and uh, so that we're eliminating port noise and, uh, and, and sort of issues that might relate, be related to being close to those ports. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's also one of the reasons why, say, something like Firefly um, is actually a sealed design. Um, it's actually designed to be listened to uh, at about uh, one metre. Yeah. So, and and at that sort of distance, um, you don't want to be potentially listening to what might be happening in a port. Yeah. You also see with, like, speakers behind screens too that don't have like low-velocity large ports, they have higher-velocity ports that shoot air out. They yep. can tend to impact the screen. Uh, they can a little bit. depends <laughs> on the screen type. Yeah. Um, if you're using vinyl screens, I'd say that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, woven screens, I'd probably say not so much. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I like a woven screen. Your, yep. your subwoofers are running the same neodymium magnet drivers? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So... Uh, so it's the premium product, is it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. So once again, uh, in the subs, uh, we do have uh, a non-ported design, which is the Basalt, uh, which is designed uh, – it doesn't go as low as the other subs um, uh, in its frequency response, um, but it's designed to, designed to be a shallow form factor um, so that you can actually get it up against the walls and into the right locations in the room. Um, uh, it's If you were going to do something like base steering, for instance – um, then uh, that would be the subwoofer to sort of turn to. Um, and in fact, at StereoNet, uh, we're going to be um, demonstrating that yeah. um, using using the basalt as the base steering subwoofers. Um, and are they the primary LFE channel, or is that just uh, the base you driver handing off from the? Uh, the LFE channel is the LFE track. Yeah. Um, it's then up to you as to where you decide to cross over. Um, base from a speaker, yeah. um, and then that would also be sent to the LFE channel, typically. Yeah. Um, uh, when you're doing base steering uh, with subwoofers, you're actually designating that the base from a particular speaker is actually sent to a specific subwoofer. Yeah. Um, now, um, from an acoustic point of view, um, uh, I tend to think that people get caught up in, in, in there being a technology or an option Sort of going well. I'm going to do that option because that must be better. So, so I'm going to stick in as many speakers as I possibly can because that must be better. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put in more subwoofers because that must be better. Or I'm going to, 
you know, there's not necessarily a proper consideration for acoustics when they're making those decisions. Um, uh, like wave train cinemas, our rooms are the most heavily engineered that I've seen. Um, and most of our rooms I wouldn't attempt to do base steering um, because unless the client is actually um, uh, wanting us to take the cinema to the nth degree and i.e. they're prepared to pay for that level of engineering and, and, the, and the building that would be required. So they might not have it in the budget for us to actually spend that amount of time on the room and, and, and engineer it to that extent. But um, uh, for our best rooms, our frequency response for our base is pretty much flat. Um, so uh, in those rooms, we're typically getting variations of about plus or minus 3 dB, which is um, very small deviations. Um, and in that type of a room, you can put in a subwoofer in a, into an order position um, and get that subwoofer to to perform well. Um, if you put a, a base steering subwoofer that was spread around the room in, into odd positions and it wasn't that subwoofer wasn't coupling with other subwoofers, then you're going to get wildly different frequency responses at all the various seats in the room. So, and it's not going to be consistent. Um, so, forgetting speaker design for a moment, just but from a, an acoustic point of view for a cinema, the 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 one thing that you want within a room, because cinema is a multi-person experience, not a one-person experience, um, you want consistency across the seats as much as possible. Um, so there will always be small variations. So if you get a, a row of seats closer to a wall, you will always have a little bit more base um, uh, up against the wall than you will away from it. Um, but, um, uh, but the frequency response hopefully would be similar so if I'm uh, affecting one frequency, if I'm bringing that down, I'm bringing it down for both seats. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have one seat where it's already down yeah. and one seat's where it's high, I bring it down and it might be good for that one seat, but this seat just lost all of their base at that yeah. particular frequency. Um, so, uh, so the idea with base steering would be, um, uh, you know, the frequency response of the room is, is good before you begin doing all of that. Um, and then you're actually telling the base from certain speakers to go to specific subwoofers that are located around the room. Um, and generally speaking, that would be a, you know, a, a setup whereby you could address it as front, rear, sides. Right. Yeah. You know. um, and once that's done, uh, a base steering done well is uh, it's just another level. It's, right. uh, to hear a base note clearly going through the room um, uh, is is really quite amazing, um, but uh, as I said, if, if it wasn't done well, it would just sound yeah horrible. Yeah, I think there's a. It's just one of those things where until you realise the level of detail with which you can go to and the level of you know resolution that you can achieve, you, you just don't realise these things are even possible. I, I mean, we see, I see very commonly that like people will just think that if there are four subwoofers in the room, they're done. Yep. That's it. Base is handled. They'll have great seat to seat variation, you know, and base will be perfect. And in reality, it's totally not the, the, the case. Like you can have four badly placed subwoofers and they will perform much, much worse than one very well and very well placed and tuned subwoofer. Like yep. if you use appropriate single sub for a room, you can get a, a, a reasonable result. And if you use four badly placed subwoofers, you can get a really poor result. Yep. Uh, we'd 
pretty much almost spend a day um, just on um, a bass response right. when we're when we're tuning a room. Um, so uh, it's it's because we're going through every single iteration. There's no there's no easy way to sort of do that. Yeah. Like I could apply principles quickly and sort of go, this should get me in the right in, in the right direction, and it prob- and it pretty much mostly would. Um, but uh, uh, but good bass is you know it's just a beautiful thing to hear, yeah. and 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 you can uh, if you can get little gains, um, if you can get power out of the system. Like there's certain things that when you're EQing that you can if you mix things a certain way, you get a little bit of free bass right. back. You know so. Uh, and then what looks good, what goods, what looks flat on a, on a frequency response isn't necessarily something that sounds good. Um, so you have to be able to yeah. not just quantify something on a graph, but actually quantify something as is uh, the way that it's actually heard. Um, there are um, uh, EQ systems out there um, now in terms of um, uh, in, like you can actually feed uh, your frequency response in from multiple subs and have the software actually generate. What that mix would actually be, and 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 the, if you put that data into the subs, it actually comes out not too bad. Um, but audibly um, in the system, it usually doesn't sound very good. Right. Um, uh, and that's because what they're not factoring is in is actually how that actually couples with the speaker system um, in the room. Yeah. Um, what they're measuring is frequency response. What they're not accounting for is actual phase or the time domain. Yeah. Um, and uh, and with what I'm doing with Elementi, um, there's a huge focus on the time domain, um, and and that's also why I want to be hearing the direct sound from the speaker. It's, it's not just that it's frequency response correct; it's it, in the time domain, um, it's perfect. So on the on the amplifier side on the DSP, um, we've got uh, um, so these are it's an active system. So you know, depending on whether or not it's a a two-way active speaker or a three-way active speaker. For each um, section of the speaker, so let's say a bass section, um, I've got 1,024 points of FIR filters per channel. Right. So so a two-way is actually 2,048 points of EQ. Um, so FIR, FIR filters are frequency and, uh, and phase adjustment. Um, and the F is finite, which means it's a finite period of time. So, so any adjustments made there in frequency don't affect time. Um, but I've got the ability to adjust time within that filter. So, um, so, so the speakers, as I say, are, are really accurate in the in, in the time domain, not just in the frequency response. Uh, and we actually preference the time domain over frequency response. Right. I'd rather the time domain be absolutely perfect, and there and there be a slight um, little variation in the frequency response, which you're never really going to hear. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. time. Uh, the I mean, hi-fi people, stereo people are very very conscious of timing. Like that's one of the the great the things about a great hi-fi system is that the timing is perfect. Yep. So I've never really focused too much on it in the cinema space. Yeah, makes sense. And then t- tying those subwoofers to so so you're talking about bass steering being a dedicated subwoofer for the main speakers or the surround speakers, not including the LFE track, and you need have a dedicated LFE subwoofer. Yes, yeah, so you, you might roll off to the uh, you might roll off from the bass steering subs to the 
LFE right at the bottom. Oh, right. So if you've got a basalt sub that um, <coughs> that uh, it w- will extend down um, uh, lower, so it'll extend down to 25 hertz, no problems, and uh, and depending on the size of the room, like I've got them running back at Wave Train, and um, uh, um, because there's so much power in the subwoofers, uh, I'm actually EQing them uh, to the point that um, no one would be able to tell me how low those subwoofers are going. Right. Like everyone's sitting there going, these has got to be going flat to 20 hertz. Right. It's like, no, they're not, they're not quite getting there, no, but um, but they're not far off it. Yeah. Um, so it's all based on room size. So it, and if, if I was in a larger room, uh, if, I, if I roll off the bass uh, at the lower frequency, it gives me back a little bit more power um, and efficiency at the higher frequencies. Yeah. Um, so, so that may be a better judgment call. Um, and if you've got a really good processor like something like Storm Audio, um, uh, you've got all that flexibility within the base management to sort of decide how you want things to actually run. Yeah. So, at what frequency would you hand off your base your base steering subs to your LFE track? Like, when does it become truly omnidirectional and you can't distinguish that uh, location? Yeah. The, the only choice for me would just be on on room size. Yeah. Like, so if 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 you yeah if you just you didn't think the subwoofer was capable of being yeah. So able what to, like a fifteen inch sub just can't push hard enough for a room of that volume, you need to go to something like a possibly 20. Uh, well, I, I, I don't, I would, I don't think I would ever use a, um, uh, an 18 inch subwoofer to do base steering per se. Like if I had an 18 inch subwoofer sitting in a location and I could utilize it for base steering, then fine. Um, but most of the time from a design, from an aesthetics point of view, you, you're trying to hide yeah, yeah. Yeah. subwoofers as well. Yeah. Um, so you don't want them to be too big. Um, I'd also um, argue that base steering uh, below sort of around sort of uh, the sort of 40 hertz mark yeah. is actually um, not required. Yeah. Um, so the idea with base steering is that, um, so if I played you a, a note at 20 hertz, um, you'd have a lot of trouble uh, locating it. Yeah. Um, uh, if I played you a note actually at any frequency, if it was a consistent note, you would find it very difficult to locate the subwoofer. Um, if I played it as something that was a, a quick, short burst, so it was more percussive, mm. um, then you would be able to start to locate it, and that's where bass steering comes in. So uh, it's not the consistent notes where you will actually pick up bass steering. It's the more percussive. Yeah. But it's also um, uh, it's not the really, really low bass. Um, if, even if it's percussive at the really, really low frequency, you still have trouble locating it. So there's a point at which bass steering doesn't have a, an effect. Um, and a lot of the speakers that are in the market um, just won't go down to sort of 30, 40 hertz with any sort of authority. Um, so that's the way you would potentially want to be using bass steering. Plus, you've got so many speakers with something like Atmos. Yeah. Um, so to get those speakers into the right locations, typically you're not using massive speakers. You're using smaller yeah. speakers that can fit where they need to go um, and, and can image correctly. Um, and then to have a big subwoofer, which is a big cabinet, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, often you might not even have the space to put in that yeah. sort of subwoofer in the right location. Yeah, makes sense. Talking about Atmos and, and the amount of speaker channels, uh, so with the amps, are they primarily located within a vicinity of the speakers yeah. themselves? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, there's always going to be applic- there's always going to be a case where uh, you can't put an amplifier exactly where the speaker is, but yeah. um, so you're going to get them as close as you can do. And, and in most rooms, um, 
you're obviously going to have room at the front of the, the cinema behind the screen potentially or below a screen. So that's an ideal place to put them. Yeah. Uh, at the rear of the cinema, uh, you uh, might be hiding the projector. You might have subwoofers at the rear of the room typically and you've got, also got speakers there. So often people will have something at the back of the cinema, curtains, whatever it happens to be, that you can often put um, amplifiers there as well. Um, so at minimum then you've got uh, – you're at least – shortening the runs to like front and back of the room to yeah. where the nearest speaker happens to be. Um, the shorter the speaker cable, the better the, the, the result in terms of, in terms of how that cable is going to perform electrically. Um, so uh, yeah, at, there's no uh, uh, perfect room in that regard. If you could, if you could have, if you could design the room with, with access panels and things around the sides and you would spread the amplifiers out a little bit more. The amplifiers uh, as well, the amplifiers are passive, generally speaking, so they have no noise. Um, uh, it's only the bigger sort of 2200-watt um, uh, amplifiers that actually have active cooling in them. Right. Um, the fans are still very silent, so if, you're, if they were at the front of a cinema, um, uh, you would struggle to hear them even if it was silent in, in the cinema. Um, if they were right near you, you'd start to hear them. Um, so, so those really big amplifiers, you'd want to keep them just a little bit further away from the, the seating positions. Yep. yep. And they're frame. There's some sort of like mounting modular frame. Is that the case? Yeah, so they come in, and it's a uh, typically a four amplifier enclosure. Um, uh, um, we don't deviate from that much. Occasionally, we customise um, something, um, but uh, essentially, it's four amplifiers in an enclosure, uh, and. Uh, you can swap in or swap out the amplifiers um, uh, based on, on, on what you need to do. Yeah. Um, uh, the 2200 watt amplifiers are a much bigger amplifier, so a much bigger enclosure. So you would, if you wanted that amplifier, you would have to have this specific enclosure for that. Yeah. Um, uh, the 500 watt, uh, watt and the 1000 watt amplifiers are uh, swappable. Yeah. They're exactly the same size. So you could have a four module frame and you could drive two two-way active speakers from that frame. Uh, so each uh, no each, each amplifier will drive one speaker. So you're getting uh, the amplifier is matched to an individual speaker. So the amplifier has uh, two channels or three oh, right. channels or one channel, depending on how we want it. Oh, right, right. Set it up. Yeah. Um, uh, one amplifier technically can drive two subwoofers, depending on the power that you actually want. Yeah. Um, so uh, so we've just set up one dealer, um, and uh, and he sort of said, oh, you've you've actually given us that those two subwoofers and we've only got one amplifier and I sort of went, yeah, that's all you need. And I sort of went, oh, yeah, but we, we, we sort of wanted a 1,000 watts. I went, just just install yeah. it. Yeah. Trust me, you, you got tons of power and then and then they've, they've put it into the room and they're like, uh, we've never had this much power in a room. Yeah. Uh, everything's shaking and we're, we're discovering all these problems with with, uh, with with the construction of the room and, <laughs> yeah. and so how do we resolve that? And it's like, I told you you weren't going to have any, problem. any problems with yeah. power. <laughs> Um, so, so a four ch a four a four amplifier module would have the three f main speakers and a subwoofer or two at the front. Yeah, potentially, and that would frame. that would be the basic. So something like a Firefly as an entry level system uh, would be three speakers with three amplifiers driving them, yeah. uh, and maybe two basalt subwoof uh, subwoofers, maybe one at the front, one at the rear. Um, uh, that could be a thousand watt amplifier driving those. So you've got five hundred watts per. Per sub, 
and that's all within one enclosure. Yeah. Uh, and I think retail, I think we're at about sort of 2,200, as an active front end to subwoofers. Yeah, wow. um, and then add in your passive speakers, which typically in a smaller room, uh, the surround channels don't need to play that loud. They're usually only playing within about sort of three metres of the, of the seating area, which most speakers will do comfortably. Yeah. Uh, even playing off an AVR, it would actually do that comfortably. Um, so same with Atmos channels. They're usually not that far from the seating area because they're a little bit closer. Um, so in a small room, you definitely get away with passive speakers for surrounds and, 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 and Atmos channels. Yeah. Um, Are you going to bring anything to market for that part of the thing? No, I, don't, I think there's plenty in the market that there's does that really, really well. Yeah. Um, I'm not uh, – uh, um, maybe I'm not uh, the best businessman or salesperson, but, um, but as you, you've known me for a long time, I'm, I'm very direct, yeah. I'm very engineering-focused, and um, I want to design things that yeah. are different and, and, and bring something different to the market or, or design for application. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's brands like Triad, which I used – Triad speakers I used to distribute. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they were always really well-engineered – products like so I've I can't fault them in terms of the way that they've gone about engineering their products yeah so something like that I'd be happy for anybody to use as a passive speaker and I'm sure there's other brands out there that are similar but um, a lot of people will say and I've heard this over and over again particularly when I was doing brands like triad um, uh, and people sort of saying you know I need a floor standing speaker because I'm going to be listening to stereo yeah um, and it's like uh, they're uh, there's no reason why uh, an installation speaker, let's call it that, so in, whether or not that's in wall, on wall, whatever it is, um, there's no reason why an installation speaker can't be identical in sound quality to a full standing speaker as long as it's engineered and built to the same standards. So uh, if you were, if a client was going to look for a stereo speaker um, and it was sitting on a floor in a retail store, um, uh, having worked in a retail store a long time ago, um, and watching people, you know, the first thing anyone's going to do when, they, when they're when they seeing a speaker or listening to it is they walk up to it, um, they give it a little wobble and like, oh, is there any weight in this thing? They give it a tap and it's like, is it well constructed? Yeah. You know, and, and then they walk away going, okay, well, it's you know, that, that this seems like it's a good speaker. Um, uh, and, 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 and as much as that's a very basic way of, of working out whether or not the speaker is any good, um, it does have some degree of merit because yeah. if the speaker is going to be more expensive, it's typically going to be better built and have a bit more weight and and, and re less resonance. Um, so, uh, but if you go to an installation speaker and that's made out of plastic and a galvanized steel yeah. and you tap it and it makes a, a steel sound and, yeah. you know, is that good for audio? No, yeah. there's no way in the world that's good for audio. Um, but if you're going to make it to exactly the same standard, which is it's still well braced, it's still made out of the same sort of materials, it's still, yeah. you know, then um, there's actually no reason why that shouldn't sound good. And in fact, I would say in a small room, there's there's a, a case to be stated that um, it actually should sound better. Um, because if you're going to engineer a studio, um, then generally speaking, um, most studio speakers, if they're done really well, are actually going to be baffle mounted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is essentially an installation speaker. Um, so, and those speakers are typically designed for that application. Um, and what that does is it takes out um, 
the distortions that are actually occurring um, between the sound going backwards from the speaker, not because yeah. bass won't just come forward, it'll also go backwards. Yeah. And the boundary interference that actually occurs um, between the sound coming directly to you and the reflected sound coming with a very short delay. Um, so uh, if you were in, if, if once again, if somebody bought a stereo speaker and they put it into a room, um, uh, and they might not necessarily know anything about acoustics, but they might, but they can hear with their ears. And so, if they start to position the, the speaker in the room, they'd pr- actually start to work out the further I take it away from the boundary, yeah, the better it sounds. The better it sounds. Yeah, they might not be able to tell you why that's the case. No, um, but what they're actually doing is eliminating boundary interference. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and they fact, find themselves trying to sit the speaker a meter out into the room in their cinema, and it just doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. So, yeah. so yeah, and, and you see that a lot. Yeah. You know, people saying, oh, "I've got floor standing speakers, and wherever I stuck it, I've stuck it in the corner of the room." Yeah, um, yeah. experience that exactly. Push them as far away out of the way as possible, and then you end up compromising the quality. Yeah. yeah. What, what else do we need to know about these products? Uh, You're getting them to market. I see you've got a couple of dealers starting to get their showrooms up and running. Yeah, we've actually uh, uh, limited it. Yeah. So um, I've I've actually directed everybody to not put on dealers, um, to not. uh, So there's only select uh, dealers that we're working with at the moment, uh, and that's primarily because we knew we were going to have a supply problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, And I needed time to actually get... Um, the supply side is actually uh, resolved. Um, uh, even then, we've struggled to keep up with demand. Um, we're holding them back because uh, the response um, from everybody that's heard them has been um, very positive. Very positive, um, and 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 uh, there's certainly demand there. Uh, I think we've got um, 190 amplifiers on order at the moment. Right. Um, wow. And. Uh, so and and by the time they land, they'll I know they'll all be gone. So um, it's uh, yeah. So you're suffering the same supply chain issues that the rest of the industry is suffering. Um, so same supply chain issues, yes, but also um, I know the demand is there. Yeah. Um, so so we're doing the Stereonet Hi-Fi show, as you know. We're, we're um, that's going to be a real sort of hard launch for the public in terms of they're going to be able to really hear it. Um, for the first time, um, and uh, and 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 after that, we'll start to open it up more. And now we're sort of very much set up for that. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, we just got to invest enough uh, money into the company to to make sure that we're ordering Good far enough is. out yeah. to to um, yeah to make it all work. I'm sure you'll have a lot of interest after the Hi-Fi show with that amount of people. Rolling through that show, <laughs> yeah, I'm um, yeah, I'm I'm really keen for it because uh, um, uh, I'm I, I I want to take on everybody. I want to take on all comers. Yeah. I've designed these products to be um, uh, the best, certainly available in the Australian market, um, uh, and and so and and I want to take on the best companies in the world because that's what I designed the product to be. Um, so uh, yeah. So, uh, and I want to prove that to, to people. And, and I think one lesson, and I think that'll start yeah. to, to, to take shape. Um, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting to get people's feedback as yeah. they come through that demo. Yep. It'll be good. 
So in terms of uh, um, uh, things that are unusual in the range, so um, the Firefly is probably one of the most unusual speakers. Um, um, so the Firefly, uh, so most compression driver systems uh, tend to beam a little bit in, in, the, in, in, the, in the high frequency and, and, uh, and they're not particularly pleasant to listen to if you're too close to the, to the compression driver. Um, so, uh, and that's an issue for doing surround channels um, because I would tend to argue that compression drivers really aren't the best surround channels in the world. Um, you need to be a good sort of metre and a half, two metres away from the, the speaker before it really starts to sound um, nice to listen to. Um, so the issue with that is that um, you're hearing the sound directly out of the compression driver, um, whereas uh, the Firefly, that's not happening. So it's a very, very unusual um, Twitty design. Um, so uh, there's no direct path between the listener's ear and the compression driver. The, compression, the, the sound from the compression driver is actually being forced through this dispersion um, horn that's all integrated into the driver. Um, and then it's got um, uh, a 120-degree horizontal spread um, and 40 degrees vertical. Now, wow. so uh, and so when I was testing this, I mean, I uh, uh, I knew what I was um, I knew what I was getting from a specification point of view, but there's always a difference between um, uh, getting something and actually and, and and theorizing what it's going to be like and actually listening to it. Yeah. Um, uh, and and there's been one or two designs where I've actually gone, no, um, doesn't work. Toss that one out uh, and start again. Um, the Firefly, uh, I was demonstrating, I was, I was doing using that as a stereo system and you can walk up to about a metre in front of where the speakers are positioned and still hear stereo clearly. Um, and you can walk all the way around the speaker and the frequency, frequency response really doesn't change. Um, and from a surround uh, sound speaker, um, that's the perfect speaker. Yeah. Um, the reason why you would put in a lot of additional channels on, in terms of, say, side channels on, a, on an Atmos system um, uh, is, is partly because you want consistency in the sound field. Um, but if you've got a speaker that's actually dispersing in that type of pattern, you don't need many speakers to actually create a huge sound field. Um, so in most cinemas where you might have to put two speakers on the side wall, you can potentially put one speaker on the sidewall in the right position and, and then rear surrounds and actually get complete uniform coverage around the, amount, around the entire seating area. Um, so um, that coupled with the fact that it's still a high SPL speaker um, uh, makes it, you know, the perfect sort of surround channel. Um, uh, but, uh, and this is something where with, with say, the air systems that we're doing because all the air speakers have a similar sort of dispersion pattern. When you've got a speaker that has that big of a sound stage, um, uh, um, the sound stage is once again a seamless, yeah. like left to right um, panning of, of sounds and even and on big screens. Yeah, but, but even on but on a small system, uh, this sound is a lot bigger. The sound stage is a lot bigger than what you would typically expect to hear um, on a speaker system, which is much more of a you know direct sound. Um, you're going to clearly define where the left and right is, um, and that's 
uh, but with a, a speaker with a really wide soundstage, you're, you're going to get um, a much bigger sound across the screen. The, the sound is going to extend past the screen. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really is um, a, a very unusual speaker um, uh, and a good entry point into, into Elementi. Um, so, and with regards to the, um, uh, the air range of products, uh, something like the Sirocco, the dispersion range on the Zephyr is uh, 160 degrees. So basically you put it up against a wall. There's, yeah, wow. There's nowhere in, in, <laughs> in terms of the seating positions that can't hear that really well. Um, uh, with the Sirocco's, though, because we're using the same driver in the Sirocco, it's just got a, a waveguide attached. Um, so the idea with the waveguide is the waveguide concentrates the sound. Um, so it's got a narrower dispersion in terms of its horizontal dispersion because it's a lot further away from you, so it still works perfectly fine. Um so that's a hundred degrees dispersion um, uh, with that particular uh, driver, um, but the Sirocco, um, the waveguides are actually not. Um, so we've got um, different waveguides for the different speakers. So a left speaker is actually tilted in ten degrees. So um, so really focusing in on the fixing your first reflection yeah. issue. Yep. So right speaker, same thing. It's it's focused once again ten degrees back, yeah. um, and the center channel is even in all directions. Yeah. So, um, so the specific, so the speaker is specific for left, center, right in that application. Um, so once again, looking at the room and concentrating on on, on the sitting area uh, rather than designing a speaker that's sort of blind. Yeah, like it, that I, I've designed the speaker and that's what it is, and you use it how it's you want to use conscious it. Conscious to the room. <coughs> do you yeah. still need to? Do, would you still angle your speaker fifteen degrees into the room, or would you just set it flat? To the no, wall? at that point you don't need to. Right. If you got a ten degree angle effectively okay. on the speaker, yeah. there is no need to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. yep. Which once again means that uh, you can have the whole array tighter to the wall you can have the screen tighter to the wall yeah. um, so once in small rooms that's going to be important yeah. for getting the screen size that people want because it's not just a case of like with 4k now you can do quite large screens um, uh, a lot of the rooms actually uh, are restrictive for getting a large screen just simply because of the throw distance of the projectors yeah. that are available yeah. um, so if you've got to if, if you've got to bring the screen further out from the wall to get the to get it to work, um, then you're shortening the throw distance for the projector. It may or may not work. Yeah. Um, and and often, as I say, uh, a lot of our dealers are seeing that as a bi- as a big problem. Just with the, I mean, one of the other things that I I sort of harp on about is that that's come to my attention more recently is the the dynamics of a cinema speaker and a cinema environment. Is it? the case that they have to be really high efficiency in order to produce a higher level of dynamics? Is that, uh, is that the well, characteristic of a, of a sensitive speaker? Like the more well, sensitive speaker? Dynamics is, is, is different to, to sound pressure level yeah. um, from the point of view that um, dynamics can really only be sort of discerned in terms of the noise floor of the room that you're in. Um, so uh, in terms of the industry um, and the standards, at least, um, uh, if the system can play at 105 dB with 3 dB of headroom, then that's the the highest standard for, say, a Dolby certified cinema. Yeah. Um, so if I can play at 105 dB 
um, then my dynamics is the difference between that highest sound that I can hear and the quietest. Okay. So once again, getting back to the engineering of the room um, and, and what the noise floor of that room is. So, so things that would influence that would be um, uh, if the room wasn't sound isolated particularly well and you could hear outside yeah. noises, then that, that could be the noise floor. Um, uh, things inside the room that would typically be noise, noisy would be the projector um, or the air conditioning. Um, or it could be other things in the room that just rattle yeah. uh, and move around that, that also affect the noise floor. Um, if you, uh, um, I think you, I think you did training with me a long time ago when I was, I was doing acoustic training courses. Mm, yeah. Uh, and 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 I have a sound isolated room. So so part of what I do within that training is is actually uh, I start to shut everything off. So I'd ask everyone, what, what's the loudest thing that you can hear in the room? And I was like, okay, the projector, specifically. Yeah. So okay, well let's turn that off. Okay, what's the next thing that you can actually hear? And it's like, you know, um, we can hear a little bit of air moving. I mean, it's pretty damn quiet. And it's like, okay, so let's turn the air conditioning system off. Can you, what what can you hear now? And it'd be somebody could sort of go, uh, I can hear the whirring of the disc in the player three metres away, right? It's like, okay, so I'll turn that off. I mean, that's not necessarily like you're going to have a disc playing potentially, but um, uh, but in each case it's, it's like, okay, the noise floor is going down, going down. And, and when you've got it down to that and people, and people are then listening to the room and going, oh, my God, it's quiet in here. Yeah. Like I thought I knew what quiet was. Yeah. Um, now this is quiet. Yeah. So, so in terms of a, a basic home cinema, um, so there's a what's termed noise criteria and NC rating. Um, so in terms of a noise criteria and NC rating of 25 is sort of acceptable for most home cinemas. Um, and that's sort of reasonably achievable if you're, Sort of just paying attention to things, yeah. uh, and if you've got a, a quiet projector, typically running on eco mode, um, uh, you might sort of still hit the NC twenty five sort of level. Right. Um, but if you wanted to have a high fidelity sound system that you really wanted to get the benefits out of, um, and and speak, and you can't if you're going to play it to industry standards, you're not going to be able to play it beyond that 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 one hundred and five. Um, then you would definitely want to quieten it down further and, and pay attention to those things. Um, same as you'd want to pay attention to the acoustics of the room. And, yeah. Um, what I think I, I'm sort of – I find is that some speakers have the ability to be like – let's say that you've got a, a, a low-end noise floor of 25 dB and you can hit 105. There will be a, like speakers that typically – when they're playing the quiet sounds, the quiet sounds are still louder and the, the loud sounds are less loud. Like, so it's just like the speaker doesn't have the difference in its high and low SPL points. It's just sort of like the speaker has a narrower band with which to play back. Right. As opposed to like a, an efficient speaker, which can, can play, you know, whisper quiet and then still go sure. hard. Is that, is that an efficiency thing? Is that a, Purely a speaker Not efficiency really. thing, I mean, or is that it just shouldn't like, be? <clears throat> I mean, it, it's certainly uh, um, uh, certain drivers, like a compression driver, is going to sound uh, dynamic, airy, um, uh, and sound really detailed in the in the high end and yeah. whatnot. Um, uh, and 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 maybe uh, maybe a speaker is really damped, and, right. and, and 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 but that would be reflected in this frequency response, regardless of volume. Right. Um, okay. 
Okay. So uh, the other the other side of it might be um, theoretically, yes, it can play at those volume levels. But as I was talking about before, if it's actually been playing at those volume levels for any length yeah, of time, and yeah. and yeah, it's actually got heat sink and 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 it's actually compressing yeah. and no longer sounds dynamic. Yeah, um, maybe that's my experience because I find myself now just like, oh, what's the efficiency of the speaker? What's the efficiency of the speaker? Like it's the be all and end all because I literally. My experience have been with just like, you know, 85 dB sensitive speakers. They literally just don't cut it in cinema. They just Yeah, but I mean, if you've got a speaker that's 85 dB sensitivity, you're not going to be playing at 105 dB in any room. Yeah. Um, just can't yeah. get that much power to it. Yeah. So, and, and, and so there's speakers out there that, um, uh, that, are, that are, are great stereo speakers. Uh, that doesn't make them good. Or useful for home cinema. I mean, we've spoken about SPL and in terms of distance, and as I said, about 90, 95% of product out in the marketplace doesn't do, um, doesn't do that because most speakers in the marketplace actually had their history as a two-channel hi-fi system where they're designed to be listened to what I would term near field. So it's about sort of two and a half to sort of three metres um, is is generally the distance you're listening, and if you think about it in terms of most rooms, if you um, most speakers are not designed to be pushed into corners, mm. um, and speakers are, are typically passive. So if you're going to connect a speaker to a basic amplifier and keep things really simple, you're going to need to put the speaker where it was designed to be positioned. Um, so if they've not accounted for base loading, which you would get by pushing it in the corners and you're going to get boundary interference anyway, you would bring that out to the right position in the room. Um, the spec manufacturer may have a recommendation for that, but from a boundary interference point of view, you need to be one and a half metres away from boundaries to sort of start to eliminate that. Uh, so if you come out that sort of distance in most rooms um, and then you put your seat into a reasonable position in an equilateral triangle, yeah. generally speaking, you're going to be sort of two and a half yeah, yeah. metres from the speaker. Yeah, you're going to um, have a six-metre room. Yeah. The other thing is that um, uh, sound pressure level um, drop-off over distance is not a constant. Your perception of, of the sound is going to be determined by not just the direct sound but also the reflections within the room. Um, so if I'm putting a – so for every doubling of distance in, a, in my cinema rooms, which are acoustically engineered, um, I'm getting 6 dB of drop-off every doubling of distance but if i'm in a live living room and somebody hasn't acoustically treated it um it's not 6 db for every doubling of distance it's 3 db um so once again um stereo systems require a slightly liver room to create the sound stage in the room um and so uh you might have a light more lively sounding room where once again that speaker doesn't seem like it's struggling for volume um but actually what's really happening in that environment is actually all the reflections in the room are coming back and hitting your ear within a very short time period. And your brain is perceiving that as volume. But what it's actually perceiving as volume is actually only volume in a very specific frequency range. So it would actually start, depending if it wasn't a very well-treated room, it would start to sound edgy or high-frequency orientated and not particularly nice to listen to. So like some people might go... Um, uh, what he's saying is crazy. You know, I, I listen to my speakers and I'm sitting six metres from the speaker and, and they're so loud that I couldn't that I couldn't turn it up any louder. And it's like, yeah, okay. 
Um, so there's probably two other things that are occurring in that room. One is uh, you probably don't hear voices very clearly. No. And so you're constantly turning the volume um, up to actually hear the voices, which actually doesn't improve the hearing of the voices. Um, but then something loud happens in the audio track and you're like, oh, my God, that's so loud. And then they turn it back down again, right? And then so, so they'll go up, down, up, down, and they'll never get a balance right. But they'll sit there and go, no, no, this, this system plays so loud, I can never play it loud enough. It's like, no, you've actually never dealt with the acoustical problems in the room because voice intelligibility is something that is critical within a cinema system. If you don't understand what people are saying, then you're not going to enjoy that movie because you're not going to understand what's actually happening. Um, so that's critical. And, and the dynamic scenes within the movie, um, you should be able to listen to them at those loud volumes without it sounding harsh or, or wanting to turn it down. Wanting to turn it down. If you um, uh, correctly engineer the room, which is the first thing that has to be done in any system, and that's what I'm sort of advocating for for Elementi, is that the room needs to be treated properly first. Um, then put the speaker into the room because then what you've paid for, you can actually hear. Yeah. You know, um, and a lot of what you're doing within uh, uh, room design is free. Like there's a lot of things that you're you're doing that don't cost you anything. Like putting a speaker into the right position in the room is free. Yeah. Um, putting a seat into the right position in the room is free. Um, you've got to buy the seat anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, that's one of the, th the things that you've that I learned from you is that underlay, like carpet underlay, like people get rubber or you know foam underlay, and it's just like don't do that. Just yeah, get the wool recycled wool underlay. Yes, free acoustics. Yes, so you're buying it anyway. Yep. So yeah, uh, yeah. So like what we do within Wave Train <coughs> is is next level in terms of um and. I'd sort of term it that um, people um, don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Um, anybody looking at us might uh, sort of look at us and say, well, what is it about you or you're just the same as everybody else, um, which is part of the reason why I don't ever try and explain ourselves anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, um, the people that are really, really interested in, in, in acoustics and cinema design will find us um, uh, and we don't have any lack of work, so, um, so it's sort of working for us anyway. Um, but, uh, um, but I would say in our engineering drawing sets, um, there is not a surface in the room, not a finish in the room that isn't there for a particular reason. Um, somebody can point to it and say, well, why is that there? Well, that's there because of this and this and this reason. Um, uh, and the reason might be technical. Um, but the other thing that I'd also tend to say is that, um, uh, like a lot of people might sort of go, uh, like this is all over my head, uh, like I don't have any knowledge of all this sort of thing. Um, but you live in the world with your ears and your eyes and your nose, you're experiencing everything. So uh, so if, if I was to explain anything to anybody, um, it should immediately be logical. I should be able to actually bring that back to a real-world experience and, and, and have them immediately acknowledge that of like, oh, yeah, I, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Nobody's ever pointed that out to me before, but now that you've pointed that out to me, that makes perfect sense and it's logical. Yeah. So, so anything that you're doing in that regard um, uh, should be simple to explain, should be very logical, um, easy to understand, and if it's not, it's probably wrong. 
So uh, we've mentioned, I, th- I think it came up a little bit earlier, just very briefly, was uh, uh, reverb times and, and, and whatnot um, uh, with regards to acoustics. But we hear, and I mentioned it with regard to stereo sound, yeah. um, uh, we hear the reverbs within within any space that we walk into, and that's how we define space. Yeah. Um, so if I blindfolded you and took you into lots of different spaces, you'd still be able to roughly work out where you were. You didn't. You wouldn't know that you you'd could do know it. The scale of the space you were in. Yeah, and 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 also roughly what type of materials might be in it as well. Um, yeah. Because uh, it's not just purely reverb time. It's pure. It's reverb time based on frequency. Yeah. You don't know that you can do that, yeah, but you yeah. can. Um, so, uh, so within a system, if I take away, if I put lots of absorptive material within a room, for instance, and I take out uh, all the reflections by putting an absorptive treatment in the room, and I see this done a lot, um, then what you're taking away is your ability to define space. So the sound stage of the entire system collapses. Um, and, and, and sounds very small and you can pinpoint everything within the room, which is actually, in my opinion, a bad thing. Um, the room sounds really dead. Yeah. Um, Especially at the back of the room. Yeah. Now, that principle in terms of from an engineering point of view is actually really quite complicated. Um, yet I would imagine most people are probably listening to this going, yeah, I know exactly that makes perfect sense. Mm. And, and, and that should apply to anything that, that is engineering related. Um, it's it's engineering, but it's related to our real world experience. If it's not related to our real world experience, it's not relevant. Well said. Well, I think that wraps up another episode on the Home Tech Talk podcast. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you. Do you want to shout out? Where do we people find out? We're going to do Stereo Net demonstration show. Yeah, so Stereo Net uh, uh, Hi Fi show, yeah. um, uh, which is uh, I think first to the third of June. Yeah. Um, third uh, to the fifth. Third to the fifth, is it? Sorry, yeah. Think of my setup days, possibly. <laughs> yeah, third to the fifth at the yeah. Hi-Fi show. Yep. Okay. So, uh, so we'll be there. Um, uh, that's going to be a big system. So, um, I think a twenty-three, twenty-four channel. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we'll have Christy Digital RGB laser projector there as well, which will be the first time that's going to be shown uh, in Australia. Certainly, I think it's the uh, apart from ISE, which just happened. It, it's this, I think it's the second time in the world. Right. That projector's been shown. Wow. Um, uh, Storm Audio and uh, Lumigen and uh, a whole lot of other things there. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Rogue Home Cinemas in WA now have an active um, elementary system up and running. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Mist Home Theatre or uh, Vivion. Uh, Miss Time Theatre is. Uh, he, uh, um, he should have a system up and running fairly soon. We're just trying to get that down to him. Yeah, um, he's in Melbourne. He's in Melbourne. Uh, and then uh, Wave Train Cinemas, we have one set up here. Um, uh, Cogworks up in Queensland, which is the distributor of the fire range, should have a system set up there in the next uh, next couple of months. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you looked at any international distribution at this point? Uh, not at the moment. I want to stay sort in here. Australia and, 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 and sort out yeah. um, everything that I need to do manufacturing-wise before I look at sort of scaling. Yeah. Scaling is always going to be a completely different set of problems. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, so let's everyone get in contact. Yeah, and a website? Yeah, uh, elementiaudio.com. Okay, awesome. And we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. So thanks for coming on, David. No problem. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Always enlightening.